In early 1996, the satirical newspaper The Onion expanded its publication to the World Wide Web, bringing along an entertainment section known as the AV Club. In 2005, the AV Club would become a website in its own right, and over the latter half of the decade, critics like Emily St. James would establish a house style characterized by discursive, turgid, eminently skippable preambles serving to prepare the reader for Exemplicratia, a review of an episode of The Office. In the realm of podcasts, Nick Weiger begins each episode of Doughboys with a monologue providing some background on the chain restaurant to be discussed, or so I've heard, I'm more of a Hollywood handbook fan. Kevin Perjurer's introductions to his Defunct Land YouTube series present a third example, perhaps the strongest example, of how an authoritative tone of voice and an excess of historical context can mount a veneer of legitimacy and sophistication onto what is essentially a regurgitative substitute for real creative output. And this is the third strongest podcast. Hi, everyone. This is the third strongest podcast. Of all the Earthbound podcasts out there on the internet, I believe this is the third strongest. I'm Zach. I'm Sarah. And I'm Ryan. We're doing another podcast. Uh, we're going to do it about Earthbound. That's just the facts. Finally. We all like Earthbound. That's underselling it, I think. Earthbound yes. is, like, in many ways, foundational to our relationships. Kinda, yeah. Mm. Especially me and Zach's. I don't know about Sarah. I met Sarah through non-Earthbound means. That's true, but Earthbound came up pretty quick. That's true. Yeah. Uh, and I think just foundational to... It is a foundational text that we all have a lot of affection for. Yes. That it's a big influence on at least my worldview, sense of humor, artistic sensibility. End of list. End of list. <laughs> yeah, it's been it, it's been an influence on me too, actually. Just even uh replaying it recently, um, I'm realizing things I didn't know it like affected me in certain ways. So it's been interesting. And we're all gonna replay it sarah it sounds like you've replayed more than the rest of or than than either of us have unless ryan has secretly beaten the game since the last time i talked to him no no yeah i got a little ahead that's okay not a problem <laughs> we just played zach and i just played up to the part that we're going to talk about today yeah and so um if any like later details you want to bring up sarah happen to flit through your mind feel free to mention them before we shut you down saying no that's not until a later episode okay that's totally fair there's also i haven't played this game in like at least 10 years maybe oh nice closer to 15 so there's a lot of things i don't remember from past the point that i played recently so that'll be interesting too and i feel like I haven't played it in a long time, but I do have an endgame save on my Switch. So apparently the last time I played it was in the past few years. I play it generally maybe every other year. I did play it last year, but I didn't finish the game. Mm. Like got right up to the end and forgot to finish it. And <laughs> I no longer have that save file. That save file is gone, so... Well, Rip to, I uh, have a great opportunity for you to play the rest of the game. Paul Atreides on this podcast, didn't make it. <laughs> the third strongest podcast. 
Um, I'd love to talk to you about Paul Atreides, but we have to get to some other stuff first. Okay. Chunk the cartridge into the SNES. Chunk the power button thing on. Some logos come up. And then title screen. Earth bound. War against Gygus. Well, you get the war against Gygus before Earthbound shows up. Or I guess no, no, it says Earthbound right. two words at the top of that screen. Mm. And you get this like, like, like screen fizzing on. Oh yeah, the static. The static happens, and you get this. I assume War of the Worlds ish, like kind of UFOs yeah. attacking a city. Should I watch War of the Worlds? I was thinking about that. Um, I don't think this is quoting War of the Worlds so much as just like uh, stereotypical fifties science fiction disaster movie sure because war of the worlds it's tripods and this is flying saucers and they are using their death rays which is a war of the worlds thing i guess to destroy a gas station in like an american main street and it's all rendered in what by super nintendo standards is photorealistic detail and there's really bombastic music and I think that this whole presentation is much more of a joke than we generally give it credit for. How so? Because I think the intended effect is to be like, oh man, super serious, realistic uh, disaster uh, aliens attacking story. And that's going to get undercut pretty quickly by either the beginning of the game if you started out or the like attract mode of um like the little snippets of kids walking around you know yeah mm. pretty soon you're gonna find out this is a cartoony game not a serious uh, 50s b movie yeah it chills out pretty quick after that i thought it was a little scary when i was younger playing it like the, be- the yeah. very beginning it, it kind of was shocking like the sound and the visuals of this part the static is really like creepy yeah and then yeah it really creates a a strong effect that this is going to be a scary game and that's why i think it's uh intended as a a joke that makes sense can i mention the logos that came up before we get to the main title screen oh sure uh we get the ape logo and oh, I just, yeah. I had to look it up because I couldn't remember the lineage here, but Ape is specifically a company formed by Shikasato Itoi, who we're going to talk about a lot on this podcast, probably, uh, to make the first Mother game, and then subsequently oh, okay. this game. Mm. And they also helped with a bunch of other games, including some of the Picross games that came out around this time. And, oh. they, and they also put out a bunch of, like, player's guides in Japanese. Okay. They shut down after this game, but then all the people that were working there just turned around and made the company Creatures, which is a company that's part of, like, the greater Pokemon apparatus. Ah. Okay. That I I was trying to piece out exactly what they do, and it's kind of nebulous. They they were in charge of the card game, or are now in charge of the card game. Uh, And I guess they make all the 3D models of the Pokemon, because I guess you just get one company to do that so everybody else can focus on other stuff. Wow. (laughs) But I I knew there was a lineage there, and I had to look it up, because I was like, 
some people that worked on Earthbound went on to work on Pokemon, but that's not like the core Pokemon people. Uh, hmm. We also get the old style Halkin logo. Yeah. Which is Hal Labs uh, before yeah. they were Hal Labs. And before they had their uh, the logo that's the dog that's hatching some eggs. Mm-hmm. Um, which I found out that was that Itoy came up with that. He's he's the one that gave them that logo. So he looked at this game and said, "I could do better than that." <laughs> um, the ape logo is really cool. Yeah, as like it really looks like a Bigfoot kind of guy, but it's so low res. It's probably thirty two by sixty four pixels or less. Um, it you know it's a very difficult to see what you're looking at. So it, it really reminds me of a Bigfoot. But after we get through the quote-unquote like fake out title screen then we have the iconic real title screen with a big b and the horns announcing that this is earthbound and um that specific logo or the title treatment and the name earthbound you know since it's replacing the mother two logo and the mother name um, it ends up not really, it's never quite clear what Earthbound means in this game. And the logo itself doesn't really resemble anything else in the game. Am I right? Yeah. I hadn't even thought about this because the word and phrase Earthbound is just so about Earthbound to me. Yeah. But if you think about it, yeah, it's it's pretty different from what comes next. The name could possibly come from, like, the Earth in the Mother logo. Yeah. Well, it's like Mother Earth, which was kind of one of the things that the name Mother was evoking in the first okay. place. Yeah. And so it kind of, this is the era of localization processes just completely upending and changing names on things. Sure. Mm. I was just talking to somebody about Crystallis today, which has, like, a really weird Japanese name. It's like God Slayer or something, something. Mm. Um, and I could see them changing it just to be something maybe a little more evocative in English. But also, they never, you know, they didn't release the first game, so maybe they're like, oh, we don't want to release this as a two for a game that yeah. no. didn't come out. So, And you don't want to release it as Mother, because that's... In English... Just a weird, not a cool name. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. This is the 90s. This is the Attitude Era. Right. Maybe it yes. would fly these days, but not in the 90s. Totally. Uh, I have to point out, I don't get too hung up on a lot of game things in this way, but uh, the B in Earthbound is capitalized. Mm. Oh, yeah. When I see people not capitalize it, I... I Write that down in a little mental notebook. <laughs> it seems like in official materials, it isn't always capitalized, though. Huh. I think they've... That's... I used to know this, but oh, okay. I think in official materials, it's technically two separate words. Around the oh, yeah. Around the time it was published, what? it was two separate words. All the official stuff were, was two separate words, but then all the like pre-release material and subsequent like Nintendo branding has just been one word with the capital B in the middle. Okay. Hmm. And 
you know, I think someone who doesn't capitalize the B uh, is kind of revealing themselves in an anti-shibboleth way as someone who has not played the game. Because if you've played the game, then that capital B is like the the keyhole that you enter the rest of the game through. Hmm. I mean, or they're just writing it really fast, which happens sometimes, but... I think I, I definitely did not capitalize the B until a few years ago. <laughs> uh, I didn't know it was capitalized, even though the, oh, okay. it's capitalized in the logo. But because I never saw it written down, really. I just played the game cartridge. And they don't say it's in the game except yeah, for like it's not really one place. Mentioned. Yeah. So, I mean, but now I capitalize it. So now maybe it's true that. Now you're cool. Yeah. <laughs> Phew. Can we talk about the attract mode? Uh, I didn't watch the attract mode. I was too uh, impatient. Oh, so you talked about sense. the attract mode. I only have one thing to say about it. It's it's perfectly normal. It's just a bunch of walking through areas, no fights shown or anything. Uh, but watching it this time, the funny thing about it is that it's very long and has the space to do a bunch of credits, but there are only two credits in the entire attract mode. And I was like, hmm. did they not credit anybody else? They credit itoi and they credit nintendo at the very end wow hmm. and i'm like that feels like they meant to put in people's names and just didn't oh hmm. the attract mode also has very cool music that isn't reused from somewhere else in the game yeah yeah and kind of quotes some themes from or at least one theme mm-hmm. from the game but it's like just mostly its own thing um kind of underutilized for how good it is. I'm going to do my best to have things to say about the music other than, oh, I love that song. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's going to be difficult for the entire, all aspects of the game. Because all this it's music really is really good. All the music is in, really good. In fact, before we get any further, I want to say at least my approach to this podcast. I... What we were discussing as we were deciding how to go about this was um, a lot of digital ink has been spilled about the localization of Earthbound. And I'm going to say, I think it's enough. I think (laughs) we as a human race don't really need to say anything more about the localization of Earthbound. Not that this, the material that's out there is bad or anything. Uh, the it's opposite. It's a joy to read. Yes. It's, it's incredible. Uh, it, listener, if you do not know about the Legends of Localization stuff on Earthbound, uh, go read that. It's fantastic. Yes. It's mm-hmm. extremely lengthy and exhaustive um, and a really cool thing that exists. But because it's out there, I think we'll try our best not to just do that for every single thing that comes up because i could just read that book out and turn this into well, an audiobook of the earthbound legends my impression, but i'm not gonna do that i think you said that you didn't quite agree with this but this is still kind of my impression that uh the focus on the localization has been such that especially since like a huge part of earthbound history is the fan translation of mother three the idea of the Japanese version way over there being the focus of attention, I think, um, causes the artifact itself, not the original version, but the thing that we played in the 90s and loved, 
um, the the localized version gets uh, kind of short shrift, I think. And we like the reason I love Earthbound is not because of all this stuff I didn't know at the time about what was changed and what wasn't changed and what is what the real names of things are. Um, but it's the the text that I actually devoured. And so I really want to focus on the the text. Um, not that I want to ignore the fact that it's a translation or anything else, but I think there's something special and something worth investigating in Earthbound as opposed to Mother 2 that includes the localization and all the attendant weirdness and yeah i think that like i I don't want to fall into just like trying to interpret things in terms of some other game i never played and i don't we're not going to do that but also i don't think that the localization gets short drift i think this is a very standout localization especially for this era that is the reason that people in the west even like this game this wasn't exactly so I don't I don't think there's any short trip that happens there, okay. uh, yeah. and I don't think that's going to be a problem for us because I'm there's a couple little pieces of stuff here and there, but like nothing that changes the parts that I like about this game, which is a lot of the dialogue in this game, which is really good. Yeah. Let me put it this way: I don't want to spend this analysis insisting on referring to Pokey Minch as Porky. Oh no, of course not. <laughs> okay, he's Pokey. That's the name in the game. Yeah. That's his name. Yeah. Exactly. We're not yeah, doing a mother Speaking of names. Oh. <laughs> these are things I didn't know for decades. So, yeah. yeah. Um, how about we start talking about some names? Yeah. Speaking of names. So, um, I like start that a new file. Start a new file. You pick your window flavor, which <laughs> is... As you do. Exemplary. I love this so much. I love calling them flavors. I really love the idea, but I hope that we can all agree all the flavors except plain are ugly. Hmm. I like a lot of them. Oh, okay. Uh, you Do don't... you ever play with another flavor? I'm playing with... What am I playing with right now? Mint. I have mint right now. I've never mint played with plain. Ones. Oh my gosh! Okay, I think I played with peanut flavor the first Pe- time. Peanut's really good. Yeah, banana's good. Banana is horrible. What is wrong with you people? <laughs> the one you don't want is what? What's the red flavor? Strawberry, right? You don't want strawberry because it looks too much like you're dying. Yeah. Ooh. No, I I don't like the alternate flavors at all. I love that the idea of them being there is really funny yeah. to me, but I. <laughs> I treat it as a joke option. I love that it's customizable at all, and I love what they call them. Uh, What games on the Super NES, if any, maybe this was a later thing, um, let you actually choose, like, the hex value of the the dialogue boxes? I might be thinking of Golden Sun. Hmm. I don't, I've not played enough Golden Sun to get that far. On the Super Nintendo, I know Final Fantasy VI had this. Okay. Yeah. Had a some pretty decent menu customization stuff. And yes. it had like RGB sliders. Yeah. Okay. Not they weren't like as robust as like Final Fantasy VII's, 
by the time you get to the PlayStation, that's the one where you can make like gradients and stuff. Oh, cool. I miss <laughs> menus in games. Menus in games yeah. used to be good. We're not talking about other games. Anyway. No. Um, Names. Pick your. Well, you also pick message speed and stereo or mono. Hmm. Lest we forget. Then friggin' names. Okay. You pick all the names up front. Yeah. You don't wait yeah. till you meet them. You don't know who these people are yet. Well, you kind of do. Yeah, you kind of do. Not really, um, though. You have you a little have bit of information. Just a little bit. Um, and arguably, uh, the information that you get here is all the information you'll get about these people. In some way, you're right. But also... <laughs> uh, so, okay. Name him. Here's a guy. It doesn't say, what's your name? Yeah. It says, name this kid. Baseball hat boy. Name him. And his name is Ness. We can call him Ness for this podcast. Right? Yeah. Okay. I, won't, I won't calpen you on this podcast. <laughs> and But you're provided with a list of don't care options. I want to get... I, I love this. Yes. Yes, it's, it's very not. Good. It's not like default. It's the oh, I don't care. Give me right. a name. But they're not going to give you a name. They give you a bunch of names. Yes. And they're all like good. They're mostly pretty good. Like mm. none of them feel wrong. They're like. I think it's Ness and then Alec. Yeah. They're like not like the most boring names possible, but they're still believable like normal kid names. Yeah. Well, one of them is Brain, isn't it? Or is it Brian? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm looking Whoa. at a website that says brain right now. No, I think it's Brian. Okay, so it's a misspelling? Let's hope so. <laughs> I don't remember from, from just playing it. I think I didn't look at them all. And I like that in Earthbound, I'm going to make a comparison here, sorry. I like in Earthbound that they're all just names. They're not themed, it's just a bunch of names. Because oh, okay. Mo Mother 2 does a bunch of dumb themes. I like the themes in Mother 2. I'm kind of glad that they're not in... Earthbound. No, you're right, but I think the themes in Mother 2 are kind of funny. I want to be able to decide on my own that all these people are named after members of the band SMAP. Mm. Well, you can. <laughs> I didn't do that this time. I have a different naming theme. Let's get to the end of this before we reveal our themes. Okay. Then it says name her, and it's blonde girl in pink dress, bow on head. And her name is Paula. What are some don't care names for her? I don't you have know. them pulled up. Uh, Paige. Sarah? This website, yeah, this website says Nancy, Sky, Paige, Marie, Holly, and Jane. All girls' names. And then right after that, so it's name him, name her, and then for the third guy, it says name your friend. Mm. And I think this is really smart how they do this because we named Ness from the outside. He's some guy. But. It's a video game. Like, you know how this works. You're going to be that guy. And so it it shifts your perspective hmm. right at this moment to say, okay, you're that guy, or maybe you're the girl, but I doubt it. Um, now name your friend. And it's the third guy. His name is Jeff. He has glasses, so he must be... He has glasses and a bow tie, sorry. So he's some kind of, like, computer nerd. Uh, and it will emerge that that is basically his whole personality. <laughs> Any good don't care names for Jeff? They're all pretty typical names. Okay. They don't, like, convey what a geek he is? Um, 
Not really, actually. Like Ralph, Sean, Rob, Dan, Henry, and Isaac. Those are all basically on a par with Jeff for how yeah, dirty yeah. they sound. Yep. Also, then, yeah. we, when you say yes and you move on to the next, you do get a very fun sound bite. Of, yeah. I think it's a toy saying, okay, just Scott." Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which, <laughs> just if you're, you know, a child in the 90s, you don't know what that means. It's just yeah. a weird sound. My brother and I talked about that all the time. What is this? <laughs> what was that? It, did, did it sound to you at the time like a person speaking? Yeah. Okay. It sounded like maybe like a some other language or a fake word <laughs> as like a kid speaking of the sound there the music here this is some of the best music in the game I yeah love the naming characters theme and it has a sample of the um what we call the theme from uh monty python's flying circus it's a philip Sousa march that i don't remember the exact name of um that is in there for and plus a bunch of like cheering sample mm. all for no reason just to create kind of a sensory overload of like kind of I think it might be trying to evoke like a crowd being antsy before the show actually begins does mm -hmm. that track that makes sense yeah and there's a shift, too, because when you're just staring at the title screen, you get the very, like, pleasant little bassy song. Yeah, yeah. That then when you get into the naming, then it's starting up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then it's like... You got the pre-credits happening. The, the, <laughs> um, the previews before the thing starts. And kind of a rowdy crowd, I think. Impatient for stuff to begin. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so... The person we can blame for all these samples is Keiichi Suzuki, right? Yes. He's the primary, I think, sole composer on this. I think Hip Tanaka gets credit, but I don't know if it's broken out anywhere who worked on what. And I know that... Mm. I, I think it's mostly Keiichi Suzuki. Keiichi Suzuki. And from what I know about them, I think Suzuki is the one who would do this experimental sample Monty Python stuff and all the Earth or Beatles samples. I should look up some of his music. I know there's okay. the one song that I've heard because <laughs> one of the songs in this video game is just a song from one of his albums. Um, but like I I I I've never we've we've uh we've heard a lot about like, you know, you can watch a YouTube video here are all the samples in Earthbound. But it's, you know, that kind of choice when it's so direct and so, like, legally actionable. <laughs> uh, I think it bears investigation why use that sample there. So I hope we remember to think about that when we run into things later. We will. If mm. we do. Okay. We will. We will. Um, a fourth guy shows up. He's some kind of kung fu guy. It says, name another friend. Or name your other friend. And his name is Pooh. And what does it say for don't care? Uh, other names are Kato, Kaj, Omar, Ramin, Aziz, and Lado. So he can be from a bunch of different countries. Yeah. And then we name... Well, it doesn't say name your dog, does it? Name your pet. Name your pet, okay. 
and there's a dog, and uh, his name is King, but he can also be named Peach, Sparky, Rex, Baby, Rover, or Misty. Yep. Misty, wow. Yeah, these are some good dog names. Is this uh no, the dog gets five characters, right? Uh, Sparky uh, is one option, so I guess... Oh, no, they get... The so starting dog with, gets six. Yeah. For the humans, you're limited to five characters. For the other things we get to name, you get six characters. Now, I was looking at hacks for Earthbound, and one of them... Um, or not, Was I looking at hacks, or was I looking at the text dump? Um, there's kind of space for six characters for the main characters. Hmm. But it's like dummied out for some reason and if you i think i saw a hack that enables six letters but it messes up certain parts of the text so it must have been a localization thing where they had mm. to cut back on <laughs> your letters uh it's kind of fun or how funny is it that you get to name a dog is that normal or is that come off as a joke i think it's cool okay. i mean it would be i think it it makes sense that you get to name your dog. Sure. It's cool. If you're a kid and you're naming your friends, then your dog yeah. would be the next sensible yeah. option. If you didn't get to name your dog, it wouldn't make any sense. Uh, then we name, oh, your favorite food, which is steak. <laughs> that's, that's such an aggressive first choice <laughs> for yeah. the don't care, like for a child. <laughs> um, I think that it's playing into the... Um, parody of America uh -huh. that this game is uh, kind of based on. Uh, what yeah. are the other don't care? Pie, options? pasta, cake, See? eggs, bread, and salmon. Which eggs, eggs. bread, that's yeah. so good. Salmon is the only one that's not like, yeah, the other ones are all very carb heavy. <laughs> 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 salmon is a little fancier. Uh, and finally, your favorite thing oh, just is, favorite thing what this an amazing so question right? right and you have no idea why you're being asked this yes oh it's so good it's such a choice to be like we're gonna just nebulous nebulously ask you this without context <laughs> uh knowing that we know what it's gonna do the game devs uh and that'll be a fun and it, it's not anything you would know right off the bat either you yeah. have to get like an hour and a half into the game before you find oh, out yeah. what that was. What was the point of this? Uh, incredible, yeah, incredible, a fantastic little choice there. And um, it's rockin', no G. <laughs> uh, but the other choices include hammer, <laughs> love, gifts, Aww. slime, gaming, <laughs> or boxing. It's really a hodgepodge there. Yeah, I think that um, I, you could almost see it as in the other choices, the don't care options could could be seen as like kind of coaching you on what kind of name you should give. If, if you want to customize it, okay, but here is yeah. kind of the parameters of like what kind of girl this is, kind of a Paula or Paige type. Mm-hmm. And this dog is kind of a rover or misty type. And so the things that it hints that you might want to try for favorite thing are kind of showing you that it can be whatever you want. And indeed it can. As long as it's six characters. 
<laughs> and then you confirm that you made all the right choices. And before we hit yes, go ahead and say what you picked for this playthrough. Zach. Uh, I named my characters all after characters from the anime Nichijo. Do you want to tell us what they were? Oh, it's, uh, what is it? Yuko, Yuko, Mio, Mai, um, Nano. The dog's name is Hakase. And then I think for food I did cake. And I don't remember what I put for favorite thing. What did I put for favorite thing? You'll find out. I want to say, I, I, can I add to this? I don't remember all the names in the first time I played the game. But I do remember that I picked gifts as my favorite thing the very first time I played this video cool. game. <laughs> so if you have any memories of what you named it on previous or like old times, uh, throw that in there too, please. Yeah. The only thing I remember that I, the only name I remember that I used um, back in 1990X, um, <laughs> I think I named Poo Kali with two eyes. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, and. I remember my brother named the dog after our dog, which was Puppy. So that was very cute. Nice. Um, I don't I don't really do themes or anything. I just think of whatever pops into my head. So this time I decided to name Ness Memo. Cool. Um, and then uh, Paula was Alex. Okay. Jeff was Mark with a C. And Pooh was CO. And I named uh, the dog Hambo. And Aww. favorite food was stew. Nice. Did we, did you, did, are we doing all of them? Yes. And then the last one, I, yes, my favorite thing was boba. Nice, 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 nice. <laughs> well, I was going to, uh, I don't really remember past things. Um, I, I I feel like I named the dog after my brother at some point. <laughs> um, and I was going to, for this time around, do a Big Trouble in Little China theme. Hmm. Where the guys would be named... What would they be? Ness would be... I already forget the names of the characters in Big Trouble in Little China. Hold on. I need to check now. I haven't seen that movie. I hear it's very good. It's fantastic. Oh, so Ness would be Jack. Um, Paula would be Gracie, but there aren't enough characters to spell it correctly. And so that kind of turned me off from the idea. Um, Jeff would be Wong. Pooh would be Egg. Uh, which is cool that Egg is also a don't care choice for food. And the dog would be... What is the, like, boring guy? Uh, the dog would be Eddie. And then favorite food would, I guess, be... <laughs> I, I didn't think of it. I guess it would be Chinese. And a favorite thing. I also didn't think of something for that. Whoops. You don't anyway, have a favorite thing? I, I didn't have time to... Uh, <laughs> um, favorite thing is the potion. <laughs> I don't know. Um, anyway, because I couldn't make a Gracie fit with an EY, I fell back on what I usually do when I play Earthbound, which was all default names except favorite food is not don't care steak. 
it's spell out stake all lowercase because I hate when mm. it displays in the game as capital S stake in the middle of a sentence. Very important to make this change. Good Understand. Um, and then you confirm your names and there's that really intense voice yelling, wow. <laughs> this game is so radical. It's really radical. And then there's yet another complete shift in tone, right? The game has, bef not before the game friggin' starts, we've been talking about it for half an hour. <laughs> um, it has, you know, scare you with UFOs, then actually it's a goofy kid adventure, and now it's darkness, the year is 1990x a small onet a small town in eagleland ness's house i'm gonna say on it i was just gonna ask <laughs> <laughs> well once upon a time there was a, a guide that explained to us how to pronounce it oh that told us that it was want Oh no, that sounds, that's the worst option. What? There's like five different ways to pronounce it and I had not thought of that one. <laughs> uh, this was a guide by, you know, a, a disreputable source. Uh-huh. But it's stuck in my head forever. Uh, this, the, one it or on it doesn't matter. That's fine. Yeah. I, I, Maybe I cared about that 20 years ago. I don't care now. Uh, well, I'm going to say Onet. Oh, I like I, that. I think you that's said that closest before. to like the Japanese name for it. Oh, probably. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, anyway, um, it, it's very ominous, but it's also these sweeping cinematic pans over the town. Yeah. And, uh, what struck me this time around is the isometric maps make everything look like a model of a town and the interiors look like inside a dollhouse, don't you think? Yes, uh, I haven't formed like anything bet a, a more coherent thought about this, but the fact that it's not, especially the interiors of buildings, the isometric way they do it is bizarre. Oh yeah, mm. uh, in a way that's extremely off-putting, uh, and I really like it, and it's different than what most other like top-down games were doing at the time. Mm. Yeah. Even other, like, games that do isometric. Uh, yeah, because often it's not true isometric. It's kind of this weird, like, half-step. It's hard to explain. Well, and sometimes it's isometric where the top of a room is a point, you know? Yeah. Uh, that I think that's normally the case. Uh, but here, it's... I, it's not really isometric. It's one point perspective. Um, and it's not even that really, but it's it's impossible to say. It's it's really crude. Um, I think that it's inherited from Mother One, right? Yeah, but I feel like it's exaggerated here in some Probably, ways. Probably, yeah. I, I have not started replaying Mother One, so I can't tell you. But, um, but, but yeah. It, it ends up looking very fake. Whoops. Yes, and very and, inconsistent and hodgepodge, and I yes. like it a lot. 
Um, it, it really reminded me of the Link's Awakening remake where they decided that, uh, you know, you might have played Link's Awakening 10 or 12 times. I bet you didn't know that everyone was little wooden dolls. <laughs> uh, this kind of, it, it feels like it's evoking the same sort of artificiality. Hmm. Anyway, Ness wakes up. He hears a meteor crash outside. Or it sounds like it could be a missile falling or something. Um, but the hero wakes up. And this was already a thing in RPGs, right? Waking, Waking up. up at the beginning? Yeah. Yeah. It seems like a almost a feature of the hero's journey mm. that the first moment is of waking up. And of course, for us, the beginning of the story is us kind of falling asleep, descending into the unreal world. Um, we, as player, kind of turn off our real, our understanding of the real world. We put on those blinders and we start to exist in this little screen world. And then our avatar is able to wake up and start moving around in that world. Mm. And you walk around in your pajamas. That's pretty good. He's got some nice yeah. pajamas. Mm -hmm. I like the sound design of all of the, the sound effects of like the crash and the, all the sirens and the music. Yeah, it comes off as pretty realistic. Yeah, it's pretty creepy. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's yeah, it's very ominous. And you, you can talk to your family. I don't know how much we want to. I mean, we've talked enough about everything else. <laughs> I feel <laughs> like um, you you meet your family: the dog, the mom, the sister, the phone. The dog has and, a line that sticks yeah. with me what? where he says, besides humans, dogs also sleep at night. <laughs> <laughs> and then asks you why you're still awake. And um, you can run around the town. You can go outside and find out what your world is. It's immediately clearly supposed to be like generic america the house with a white picket fence and the bedrooms on the second floor but um it's also in like video game the hills are sheer cliffs mm. and um there are two houses in this neighborhood there's you and the house next door <laughs> which must be a like a storytelling expedience um you wouldn't want to distract the player in this opening vignette with a bunch of different houses to get sidetracked in but well, there's places yeah. that, a lot of places like that where there's just a couple houses in one I area suppose. okay <laughs> maybe um, the other houses are blocked off in other areas well we're gonna see that like it looks out of place compared to the rest of the town and the other towns in this game mm. to have those two houses off by themselves mm -hmm. up on the hill. And uh, you, there are a bunch of cops. And the game is concerned right away with making fun of cops. <laughs> <laughs> but 
but also with making fun of RPGs because the cops are blocking the road into town because nominally because there's a meteorite that landed but also because they're going for the record in roadblocks and I think it's I'm going to harp on this a bunch now and a bunch later but uh, Earthbound is parodying RPGs by putting it in a modern setting and have it it's instead of a sword it's a baseball bat uh, but it's also parodying the modern setting by pointing out absurdities with you know adults and America and etc yeah there's a guy out here that I like a lot who doesn't have a name he's just this orange guy who's like walking in place in the way an rpg guy does and he's like makes a big scene out of like i want to be the first up to the meteor i'm gonna go be up the first Uh, that's i'm gonna get there first Uh, it's me and then (laughs) does not move from that spot (laughs) (laughs) and it's just this really understated humor thing that Mm -hmm. It is a type of humor that this game excels in. Mm-hmm. Yes. Just little one-off jokes, which I, a lot of writing in RPGs is all about crafting very tiny little statements that are supposed, you know, meant to guide the player along or provide yeah. flavor to what's going on. But the flavor we're providing here is humor. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. awesome. <laughs> it also is providing like impetus to go see the meteor yeah like yeah that's that's what this guy's goal and oh yeah that's also my goal i better go do that and you meet some other cops and they're all kind of grumbly adults you run into a guy with a weird hat standing outside a tiny little house and he is seems kind of nervous i think because there are so many cops around and he says, uh, check out my sign. That's my business, you know. My real job is that I paint signs. Go ahead and check out my sign. And you read a sign and it says that this is the house of a treasure hunter. Liar X Adjurate. Is that his hat? I thought that was his hair. I thought he just had big hair. Uh, you know, I think in a clay model, it comes off as his hair. Hmm. Um, but I can't help but read it as like a hat, like a napoleon hat or something okay napoleon the treasure hunter yeah i've got and a new D character concept <laughs> liar exaggerate is a big deal a bigger deal than he seems <laughs> he has the the story it's yeah. so weird he he has the plot of the game for you but you can ignore the plot of the game yes it's, by by plot i mean I, 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 like overarching like connective tissue beyond just going on the quest right exactly mm. that creeps up in kind of every town you go but it is not always uh necessary i'm gonna end up making the case that this is like the main plot for the first half of the game hmm. but i won't make that case right now there is also uh, an item box. There's a little present box with a bread roll in it. 
and that is just normal RPG stuff, except it's a, wrapped up like a present. And then you get to near the top of the hill where there are more cops, and there's this kid, Pokey. And the cops are like, can you get this kid off our backs? <laughs> and the writing for Pokey is so strong. <laughs> <laughs> when he says, quit your rubbernecking, you're getting in the cops, I, I mean the officer's way. Tomorrow, I, Pokey, will tell you. And <laughs> <laughs> to establish a character's name in their own dialogue yes. is difficult to do. But it helps if you're making this character an insufferable prig who refers to himself as I, Pokey, will tell you all about the mysterious comet. Um, so extremely good. We're, we're playing a good game yeah. now, understand. I'm glad we cover good games. Yeah. Yes. Then go back home. I like that you... waiting for... Oh, yeah. When you're up here, you don't, you don't actually get to go look at the meteor. You can see oh, it yeah. in mm. the distance, and you see that there's people up there dealing with that situation, but you, are the child, are not allowed up there right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't even get to go see it. And I also like the cop that says, that meteorite looks different than usual. Which is a very I, silly line. I don't <laughs> yeah. remember that. There's one that he says it looks different than usual, which Weird. is just like <laughs> just a goofy thing to say that almost comes off yeah. like trying to make conversation. Yeah. Um, it reads to me like something from one of the 50s B movies that the title card <gasps> yeah. is mm-hmm. referring to. This person has. <laughs> he's expecting the aliens this guy's ready to go <laughs> let me go back let me go back your mom says go back to bed um then you get woken up again and i feel like this is supposed to be a joke that never plays to a joke as a kid plays as a joke to a kid playing this um but the idea that the game begins with waking up and discovering something mysterious and then going back to bed and then waking up and something else mysterious is happening uh, is funny Mm. in retrospect. And the person knocking on the door is Pokey. And it's a really annoying knock. Yeah. (laughs) And then it's another case of doing the sound design, like having sounds that are realistic in stark contrast to the visuals Mm-hmm. and he uh, explains about how his brother Picky went missing and uh, he tells you to say goodbye to your mother so that your mother can tell you to put on your clothes and also advise you to get the cracked bat in Tracy's bedroom and you know there's a lot of like to some degree they have successfully uh, deferred all the annoying tutorial stuff until, after the interesting, you know, exploratory story part. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. They, they, they start like, out with like an intro story and then, yeah. In 2023, we're used to complaining to a game, let me play the game, mm. stop you know explaining how buttons work to me 
and this game kind of does that by letting you play the game for like five minutes before yeah. explaining a bunch of stuff. And you learn a few things on your own, like what this present is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you go with Pokey, you probably pick up, you don't, can you avoid picking up King? I don't think so. Mm. I think okay. you have yeah, to. Yeah, I don't think so. You won't, right. you won't be able to exit until then, and but you can't exit anyways because the phone rings. Oh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> so all the stuff that you're forced to do, yeah, this is definitely the tutorial section. Um, you have to answer the phone. You can talk to other people. You can talk to your mom, and she'll be like, gosh, that phone sure is ringing. I forget exactly <laughs> what she says. Yeah. And then you have to get the phone. It's your dad. And he tells you that you can save your game. Um, is this where he says work to exhaustion when you're young? Yes, he does. Mm. It's okay. in my notes. <laughs> he says, have you ever heard a saying like this? Uh, no, this is not a saying. Absolutely not. <laughs> um, we don't have time to talk about the dad now. We'll get to the dad later. Save your game. Get out of the house. Start walking around. Uh-oh, now there are monsters. Uh, there are three kinds of monsters in this game. There is snake and crow and dog. And I guess when, when you've played this game enough times, then you start to understand these three enemies better than any other. <laughs> <laughs> They're like pieces of math to you. Mm. Despite the fact that we're doing a modern setting and we're going to lean real hard into that with some of the monster design, we do start out with some very simple RPG monsters here. That's true. Uh, I don't know. I feel like if I were doing an RPG that was thoroughly modern, uh, Runaway Dog would be one of my first choices. Oh, yeah. mm. uh, the and snake I... doesn't seem like that seems more Dragon Quest than suburbia these monsters definitely fit but it's very funny that even when you're trying to make them fit like you still end up kind of doing some ar archetypes again hmm. it's just mm -hmm. kind of funny the way that works out but obviously we're gonna veer directly out of that here in a minute yeah, yeah. um now this i i happen to notice that the first enemy i thought was a dog i got four experience points and i leveled up right away yeah. And I was like, what? I, I guess I don't know. What is the cutoff for reaching level two in this game? Do you know? Not off the top of my head. Okay. Uh, off the top of your head, do you know in other RPGs of this vintage, is it a thing where you can expect to level up after like one or two fights? Oh, it doesn't sound very common. I'm, I'm, I don't have a good answer to this. I'm going to say okay. probably not. That's probably a little quick. Okay. But also, uh, in this yes. era, this is where games are experimenting with stuff and you get characters that start higher than level one and stuff like that. Mm. So Yeah. But usually you're not advancing that quickly. No, it seemed to me like it was, again, kind of riffing on RPG mechanics that you would get a level up right out of the gate. 
but it might also have been because I happened to fight a dog first and they're worth four experience points instead of one or three. Is yeah. it not, is it random? Like not everybody oh. fights a dog first. Cause I also fought a dog first. I think it's kind of random. It's random. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I thought I maybe remember. they wanted to introduce people to the idea that you should fight and you shouldn't run well, away from these animals. <laughs> um, we can we can say that like the monster placements are sort of random, but there are places where it is definitely not random. Mm-hmm. The designers seem to have a choice to make a certain monster spawn in a certain place every single time, or and, make it be one of a list. Yeah. And as them being out on the overworld is also a choice because it's not something that a lot of oh, RPGs yeah. do. do. Yeah. Uh, the the first Earthbound game didn't do that. Hmm. Like this is a this is a new thing for the for the series, and I don't know how much we want to get into fighting right now. Uh, but there's a lot of other systems that kind of get rolled into this. Um, let's talk about it when a friendly wool explains it to us. That's what I was that thinking sense, as well. Yeah. Great. You go up with Pokey and King. You go back past Liar Exaggerates House. He's like, come back when you're alone. So um, creepy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this character is very creepy at the beginning. And then um, when you you fight some more like crows and snakes and stuff, and King is helpful to have around. But as soon as you get near the meteorite, King... Uh, howls in fear and runs away and that's a wrap on King as a party <laughs> member he was there for two minutes yep good boy <laughs> <laughs> they have to do that because otherwise you'd have too many characters in your party indeed mm. indeed uh, you find Picky up by the meteorite and he implies that Pokey ran away and that Pokey is actually a craven coward, which we understand already because mm. Pokey refused to assist during the fights with the snakes. And now it's time to go home. But then Pokey hears something like a bee buzzing around. And he asks you if you hear it. And I said I didn't hear it because I didn't. Mm-hmm. And he was like, come on, don't, why don't you? Don't you? You can Did also you say, say yes. yes. You, could hear it? Yeah. you can say yes. And he's like, yeah, you see, you hear it too. <laughs> and light comes out of the meteorite and a bug comes out. And the bug explains a bee I am not. <laughs> Which must be trying to sound like Yoda, right? Maybe. Or maybe it's just trying to get us to think it's a bee. <laughs> it's weird. Um, but he's not going to talk like Yoda for the rest of his appearance in this game. It's Buzz Buzz. Yeah. Uh, does he name himself name. as Buzz Buzz? Does he say my name is uh, Buzz Buzz? I think so. I have to text him. Okay. Now, do you have the right text dump? Because I found out that some text dumps are not complete. 
Uh, I believe this is the right one, and I don't think he names himself Buzz Buzz. Hmm. Okay. The you, game you find out that he's Buzz Buzz when you're in a fight, and he starts doing ridiculous damage to dogs. And way later in the game, when you're in a different uh, state of mind. Oh, yeah. Hmm. So, um, he has some plot to dispense, and he tells you that... Um, I don't want to get too bogged down in all the details of this because my point is going to be that they don't matter. <laughs> he comes from 10 years in the future where all is devastation because Gygus, some kind of alien guy has taken over the world and is bad. But there is a very, very old prophecy dating to before now, before 10 years ago, um, that says that three boys and one girl will save the world. And he gives one bit of prophecy, uh, uh, or sorry if this is from later on. He says, when the chosen boy reaches the point, he will find the light. The passing of time will shatter the nightmare rock and will reveal the path of light. That's from, That's this, from this part. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does that even mean? Sounds cool. It sounds cool. It's a bit vague. It is a bit vague, and I think that, having played the game several times, it is meaningless. <laughs> it, uh, You could kind of stretch this to apply to different things in the game, but uh, it definitely doesn't pay off the way you would hmm, expect yeah. a prophecy to. None of the things here are actually like proper nouns I, people latch mm-hmm. on to nightmare rock but like no 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 he's just saying stuff he's just sh- saying stuff i love nightmare rock as a thing and i am fully support anyone who's coming up with stupid theories about this that are trying to say that the nightmare rock is this th- thing out there but within the game itself nightmare rock doesn't mean anything you're not actually going to shatter the nightmare rock mm. um and you're not really going to reveal the path of light the game is not going to remember any of this. <laughs> no. I like, I mean, uh, oh, good. This could be a joke, too. Like, yeah. just that it's a very generic sounding prophecy. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is the uh, Buzz Buzz's whole thing. Um, th- I think even the detail that he's come from 10 years in the future. Yeah. Is just like g- g- pulling together a bunch of generic chosen one details yeah yeah Uh, the time travel in this game gets a little muddy i mean Uh, not even to mention that he's a bee like (laughs) he could have been a human from 10 years in the future that would have worked too um no i I think it's yeah oh i was just saying i like that he says you're gonna need wisdom courage and friendship the pieces of the triforce yeah (laughs) (laughs) well edited um then uh pokey says three boys and one girl i hope i'm not one of those boys because i'm not cut out for this kind of stuff um and then you walk back home and uh before you can get to the minch house you are waylaid you are ambushed by starman jr i love sorry go ahead well one thing he says to buzz buzz 
I think he addresses Buzz Buzz as Buzz Buzz, right? Oh, he does. Yeah, okay. that's right. Um, and he says, you're no longer a hero, but just a useless insect, which we can kind of take to mean, if we bother taking the time travel element seriously at all, that 10 years in the future, Buzz Buzz is a human mm. or some kind of guy who had to turn into a bee to travel back in time 10 years on a meteor. Hmm. Or like the meteor know. was a some kind of time machine and not yeah. a true meteor. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and the fight with, I mean, again, this is all jokes. The fight with Starman Jr. is a joke. It's not a joke in that I love this song a lot. Well, yes. Uh, <laughs> mostly just the opening little riff that plays. It's very good. Well, oh, we don't have time to talk about that riff. Okay. I'm but obsessed we can with talk that riff. Oh, <laughs> Me well, then we got to talk about it at some point. Uh, th- we, we're, this episode is too long. We'll get okay. into it later. All right. Um, that, that song that song shows up in other fights. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, this fight's easy. Yeah. It's not even a real fight. Exactly. Mm. Like, the joke is y- you can't do anything. You're useless. Pokey is not trying. Picky is useless. No. Buzz, buzz. Picky's trying. Pick- my boy tries. That's why I distinguished him from Pokey, who's not trying. He's I love tr- trying, but he's useless. He's trying to cast a magic spell. Oh, that's right. Dang I, it. I someday, I would like to do a ROM hack of Earthbound where he gets to cast spells. Ah. Mm. Let 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 Picky cast spells, please. He's not one of the three boys. No. I know. Anyway, sorry. Um. Like the joke is that Buzz Buzz fights the fight for you. And that Starman Jr. would destroy you with PK fire um, if you didn't have Shield Sigma. Mm-hmm. Also and teaches then, you the value of Shield Sigma before you're oh, ever yeah. going to get it. Yeah. That's good. That's good mechanical foreshadowing. I mean, it sets up the stakes, too, of like how dangerous this journey might be. Mm-hmm. But I still want to read it as a joke. Yeah, sure. And that's the thing. Um... Well, I'll, I'll get to it later. I, there's no time. Um, <laughs> you defeat Starman Jr. or Buzz Buzz defeats. Or, well, okay, this time around, Ness dealt the smash attack that took out Starman Jr. I felt pretty good about nice. that. Nice. Uh, and now you can deliver Pokey and Picky to their parents. Uh, if you tried to talk to Picky beforehand, he says that their parents are out at an, to dinner at an elegant restaurant. I mean, now they're back, and um, they, uh, you know, they are very disappointed to find out that their sons have been gallivanting around in the middle of the night. And the father, Aloysius Minch, takes the boys upstairs, and there is the noise of uh, punishment happening to them. Aloysius then comes over to talk Ness's ear off and says, I wish you guys would move. We loaned your father a lot of money. And because of that, we all live in horrible poverty. Blah, blah, blah. Um, This line sticks in my craw because people use it as evidence in their fan theories that Ness's dad owes Aloysius Minch lots of money. And that's clearly not the case. Yeah. He is 
he is lying or exaggerating. <laughs> but player, like, I, I feel like a lot of people writing about this game are reading Aloysius completely straight. And it bothers me. Analyzing this game requires understanding irony. Mm. Yeah. I think they're just the worst neighbors. Like, all yeah. of them just... Yeah. You're not supposed to like these people. I think they do a good job with that. Yeah. yeah. Um, particularly because when you try to leave, Lardena, the mother, uh, thinks that... Uh, Buzz Buzz is a dung beetle and smacks him and inexplicably is able to kill him. Even though he's a godlike being in the Starman Jr. fight. I guess Starman Jr. didn't use a a physical attack on Buzz Buzz. Yeah. So no no defense. Yeah. Buzz Buzz was a main character too because he got the main character joining music. Oh, wow. That's how you know it's a big deal. But now he's dead. Now he's dead. It, not dead yet, because first he has to uh, exposit at you <laughs> over and over if you don't choose the right Classic. option. And I tried to like walk away without him, but he wouldn't let me. <laughs> Thank goodness. And he gives another speech about like your destiny, whatever. Um, I know that I said that it doesn't matter, but I'm going to later on. I'm going to get really deep into how this game uses the idea of predestination a lot. It really leans on that idea in Mm -hmm. its generic mystical sounding speeches. Um, And Buzz Buzz invokes that here. And then he gives you, he tells you to go to the places that are yours in the world or places of power that you need to make yours that are called your sanctuary, but you yeah. they're not yours yet or something. They're meant to be yours. Yes. And uh, he, he gives you the soundstone that will let you collect the melodies from those places. And you're like, okay, good. Uh, this is a video game. I understand. <laughs> I'm going to collect eight things. And you know the trick that you can oh, yeah. not get the soundstone <laughs> if you manage to fill up your inventory. Yeah. Uh, delightful oh he if you if you somehow manage to fill up on cookies by battling a lot of crows then buzz buzz says oh you can't you don't have any room to carry this well i'll just magically put it with your sister there she has it now (laughs) it almost would have been funnier if he like made you eat a cookie in front of him (laughs) yes do you uh, really need all those cookies right now (laughs) do you really need all those just put it on the coffee table or something (laughs) (laughs) and uh then buzz buzz dies he breathes his last and you're able to go outside and the sun comes up yeah this Mm. is they they like this tech that they were able to like change the palette live like that Mm -hmm. i we don't want to go any further, but here's what I saw as the main takeaway from this first part. The 
it's it's parodying fantasy rpgs by putting stuff in the modern world it's parodying the modern world or america or the 90s you know it's parodying that some sort of real thing by depicting all the adults as idiots and you know getting into bureaucracy and all that sort of thing but the game also kind of takes itself seriously uh, the idea of an epic quest is played for laughs part of the time, but the game also thinks it's kind of cool. Hmm. And it doesn't, it wants to have it both ways. And it has to, like, do a balancing act between <laughs> it's a stupid video game or this is actually pretty cool. I think hmm. that some stuff. You know, derivative works that are nominally inspired by Earthbound can lean too far into the sincere side or lean too far into the satirical side. And they end up missing the mark. And you think this isn't really like Earthbound. I think a primary cause of that is because they don't do the cool balancing act that Earthbound Hmm. does. And it's striking a balance between not only sincerity and satire, but like optimism and pessimism. Hmm. Perhaps between postmodernism and other thing. The opposite of postmodernism. Precambrium. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that is present here in what they're doing by presenting a very straight-laced, like, prophesized backstory while, you know, the character expositing this is dying in front of a mm-hmm. coffee table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that does thread that needle. Yeah, one cool thing about it, I think, is, like, by, by, by balancing between um, having all the comedy and, like, that kind of reminds you that you're playing a game and then the the seriousness of the plot as well it kind of like i mean the whole game has a lot of fourth wall breaking sort of sure so it make it wants you to remember that you're not i, I feel like it doesn't want yeah. you to immerse yourself in the story like it Absolutely. wants the story to be about you as well as the main character so I i'm think curious that's pretty cool i'm curious to see where we'll land as time goes on with this because i know i feel like as the game goes on, the pendulum swings a little harder in places. Yeah. Where you'll get some very, like, oh, this is the story. The story's happening now. Mm-hmm. Or, like, the, not necessarily the story, but, like, the the backstory the stuff part. starts to kick in. Um, mm-hmm. And then you lose that for a while. And I bet there'll be some harder swings. But at least in this intro bit, it's pretty mm-hmm. uh, uniform. Yeah. To go yeah. back to what Sarah said about they want you to know that you're playing... I think that um, comedy can has kind of relies on a, a critical viewpoint in the audience because the you know the absurdity of some of the stuff that they'll point out will not come off as absurd if you are immersed and going along for the ride. Mm-hmm. And I think that, like, uh, <laughs> I'm I'm trying to identify myself with uh, Itoi here, saying, "Well, I 
I want people to think about this. I want people to understand the point I'm making and they won't think I'm making a point if they are totally buying into the like game part of it. I need them to step outside of the narrative, start mm-hmm. looking at things from, you know, a higher perspective and notice that this is stupid and it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so, me and Itoi are kindred spirits in that I have yeah. just assigned that viewpoint to him. <laughs> Well, uh, next time on Third Strongest Podcast, we'll do the next part of the game. See you then. Goodbye. Bye-bye.